0: back in on canuck central hour two of the show if you missed the first hour make sure to check it out on the podcast you can listen to it on any of your podcatchers. We spoke about the Ethan Bear injury, what the Canucks might be looking at at the draft, and also what options they have on defense in terms of trades or acquisitions and free agency uh, to mitigate the loss of Ethan Bear. If there are any possibilities with the very limited cap space the Canucks have as we speak. And we also had a great discussion with Shane Malloy.
1: Okay, I, I want to clear the air on something here.
0: Okay, please do. Because
1: when we have these draft conversations and mm. people text in and be like, you didn't ask about this guy, or this guy's better than this guy. Right. So how deep is your um list of like acceptable players that the Canucks could draft? For this year? Oh, yeah. for me, it's like
0: like 15, 16.
1: Right. And so it, it, like when we say something like, oh, I really like Tom Olander, that's not discounting liking Dmitri Simashev. Oh, not at all. I really like that player, Right. They're all in the kind of the same grouping. Some people are gonna like one thing. Some people are gonna like different. For me, there's like 17 guys. Mm-hmm. I look at it, if the Canucks were to trade down, and we discussed that, and they got to 17, and they still took one of my 17. I'd say, cool, you got one of those 17 guys, and that's why we have these conversations. Like, what's the value difference between nine and 17? For me, there is not.
0: It's very is negligible. There's really. not much for me. Well, here's the funny thing because if Willander and Daniel, some these guys move up. Some of the guys, people are view it as consensus down. top 10 yeah. picks I and mean, be going 15, 16, 17. A Dvorsky could suddenly slide down, right? Or like Zach Benson, who's been discussed. Like, is he going to slide down a little bit? Is that a possibility? So,
1: two things. We, we do have time constraints on what we can talk about in these yes. interviews. But also, uh, it's, it's an exciting draft class because of is. how deep it is. Oh,
0: it is. And, and that's what, I mean, and listen, of these 16, 17 players, maybe half aren't going to be much of anything. You're going to get them wrong. So hopefully the Canucks pick the right one. But... You know, I, I think it's one of those drafts where truly the tier we're talking about is pretty large mm-hmm. and you're just picking guys from within a tier and you can debate all those things, which is fun, but it's not much that much different in terms of value overall. All right, uh, we are going to talk about the draft in a bit more As the weeks go on here, as we lead up to the draft coming up in less than two weeks time right now, Wednesday, two weeks from now, that'll be a lot of fun. All right. uh, We'll talk some more here with our buddy Israel Fair from The Athletic. It's always a pleasure talking to Izzy and Izzy, what you been up to, man, the last little bit watching the Blue Jays, you know, scuffle and, and doing their thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, fellas, what's going on? Uh, yeah, Jays, you know it's been real up and down. <laughs> also, been Mariners too. You know, it's, uh, it's it's up and down. It's it's not it's not been steady. Uh, the, the, the teams in the American <laughs> League that are that are doing well, it's uh, Tampa, Texas. Uh, people thought Toronto would be there, man, but uh, nope. They've they've just been so so up and down and. Yeah, who who would have thought Alec Manoa would be in the the Florida Complex League uh, and not heading back to the All Star Game? <laughs> it's uh, it's been quite the shift.
0: You're not a one baseball team guy. You're just a baseball guy, right?
2: That's right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's, 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 I, I like it all. It's kind of like the Canucks start to last season, but like obviously not sure. losing as much. They're actually the funny thing is like the bar is so much higher there because they've had mm-hmm. actual success. And as thirty-eight and thirty-two, and people are freaking out, it's like they're still over five hundred. It's still kind of within range. It's just looking a lot worse than anybody expected. You know that's the issue. But, yeah,
2: right. I mean, look with Vlad, like yeah. he's having an okay year overall because of the hot start. But since since then, you know, the last month and a half, he hasn't been tremendous and for this team to be one of the elite teams in the league you're looking at Vlad having to be one of the elite players in the league and at the start of the season it looked like he was going to do that you certainly can't be concerned about what Bo Bichette's done at the plate um and they look they've, they've gotten some contributions offensively from from guys like Kevin Kiermeyer and Brandon Belt has turned things around so it is just a matter of putting together a stretch i mean i'll bring up the mariners again last year they didn't start very well at all and they went on a heater uh over the course of basically a month where they won nearly every game that they played i'm not saying the blue jays are going to do that but it, it is possible when you've got the talent and you've got the pitching uh the pitching is maybe not quite at the level of last year mostly because you've gone from a guy that was a cy young finalist to someone who's now in the minor leagues but Kikuchi's been better. Bassett has been by and large pretty good. Mm-hmm. So they're they're certainly not out of it and it's not like with the exception of surprising Baltimore, the the Yankees have scuffled, the Red Sox are in a bit of a transition period as well and I know people like to point at that division and say that it's a little unfair <laughs> to the Blue Jays that that they're in it but it, the exception of Tampa, you know, it's not like all the other teams are really running away with it.
0: No, they're not doing a great, they're not exactly doing fantastic either. But hey, we'll have some fun over the summer. We'll see what the baseball season has in store for us. But we're finally getting to the point where all these discussions about the Canucks off season, Izzy, is finally going to hit a crescendo. We're hoping at the very least, right? With the draft being close around the corner, free agency just around the corner as well. And we'll finally see some movement, right? For vancouver yep. like are they, are they going to be like i think the big question is like we talked about before remember a few years ago we said hey there's no way vancouver is going to lose both you know tanev to and markstrom and, and stetcher right. all these guys and they lost all didn't bring any one of them back and it actually happened right and we've been sitting here talking about like there's no way the canucks don't clear any cap space right like they have garland they have besser <laughs> they have myers you have oel buyout you have all these options you got to move somebody right
2: Right. I mean, you, you would think, we've, we've been waiting for it for two years now, three years, and then you look around the league, and you look what's happening in Winnipeg, and that's a team, the players are a little bit older, and the ones that are on the block are, are you know, maybe not the Jets' choice, but they're, they're going to have to move off, Pierre-Luc Dubois it looks like, by all accounts, Connor Hellebuck has kind of come to the same conclusion, and that's going to soak up a lot of the oxygen, not just... Of us talking about it, but of the GMs looking around their rosters and looking around the league, all of a sudden a Brock Besser reclamation project, the Connor Garland reclamation project isn't quite as appealing to those kinds of teams. I mean, especially, think about the teams at the top of the league that are going to have cap problems. I'm thinking most specifically about Boston, where they have serious, serious cap questions after going all in this year, and potentially some roster holes if Patrice Bergeron doesn't come back, so you have to think that maybe once the market calms down, I think maybe if the expectation is that Dubois is moved during the draft or before the draft, that maybe then the market opens up on some of the Canucks guys. But I mean, we have been doing the same song and dance now for for a couple of years. It's it is almost a you know believe it when when I see it situation.
1: Uh, news today, Ethan Bear with the surgery. Uh, we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Okay, so. What's the case to actually bring Ethan Baer back?
2: Man, that's a good question. And I, I had that question before the injury. And that had nothing to do with his play Ooh, the with the Canucks. The takes. No, but I mean, I just I thought that he was a really steady player after coming to Vancouver. And there were some reasons to be positive about that. But even toward the end of the season, as you know, he, his name shows up, in the letter to season ticket holders. And uh, it, it seems like he's being positioned as a part of the future. And, you know, I remember hearing from Ian McIntyre at the time and saying that uh, he felt like it was maybe something closer to, look, they they think he's an interesting asset more than, than a future building block. But if that's the case, um, you know, losing him for the first two, three months, is just creating more questions on the blue line for a team that, that already has those questions and already, already has the question of, you know, where's Hironic going to play? And if it's him and Hughes, what's the second pair? And if, if they're split, then how are you really maximizing those pairs? And I think, we learn the same lessons, I think, in the playoffs. And it can be very easy to just look at the Stanley Cup champ and, as everyone always talks about at this time of year, replicate what they did to have the success that, that they achieved in winning the Cup. But what we see over and over in the postseason is teams with two legit D pairs are the ones left standing. And obviously, that's just been a major concern for the Canucks going back, I guess, you know, 10 or 12 years at this point.
0: Well, exactly. And I think when it comes to the options for Vancouver this season, I think as much as we're talking about Vancouver being a playoff team next year, and yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of the assets they've spent, them being capped out, getting heroic, and having some of the talented players they do have, the bar should absolutely be to make the playoffs. They absolutely have to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. for sure. But I don't think anybody looks at this roster and says they're a cup contender. And I think realistically, they're a year away or two years away still from really even getting into any sort of discussion about that, depending on how much money they can have and what moves they can make from this point on until then. So in terms of the approach they take this year, is it going to be one of, hey, uh, we still got to get through this year before we can do big things still? Or is it going to be about, hey, we have some issues here and we have to address them aggressively? Because I think that can take you down two very separate paths in terms of team building.
2: For sure. And I, I would be in the path of trying to set up a year from now. hmm And putting yourself in a position where at this time next year you hope that the team put together led by the stars at the top of the lineup have success and maybe get into the playoffs and all of those things but from a a real tangible we're going to put our chips in here we're going to try to make something happen I would be unless it is one of those off seasons where you know magically trades pop up for for Garland and Besser and maybe someone else that we're not thinking of, Myers, you know, go down the list. Uh, I would be doing my best, I think, to set up a year from now without mortgaging that future. And I know that then that instantly turns into the conversation about, well, what's Elias Patterson's future. I think that as long as communication remains open between the Canucks and Patterson's camp, about what that contract's going to look like and what the, the future that they are pitching him is going to look like. I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but look, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. It's, it's fascinating around the league, right? Like Calgary, they had more, they had more success than the Canucks and they have some real questions about keeping some, some core players that are, you know, that would have a market, someone like Elias Lindholm, right? So It's it's a real fascinating time around the NHL.
1: Is it almost a blessing in disguise the free agent class is what it is this year? That it's like, (laughs) hey, if they wanted to rush out and force an improvement, there's not really a a player that you're like, oh, we're going to square peg, round hold this. But
0: that's how you you give Sean Bergenheim, like, you know, two and a half million over 10 years, whatever it was. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. for you I mean look we did that with the with the Canucks uh, with you know the, the Antoine Roussel J Beagle season, yeah. right there you know you're handing out long-term deals to guys that at their best are are bottom of the lineup contributors and, but I, I do think that the NHL's yeah probably across the board having a bit of a, a sigh of relief that it's not a a loaded class especially since those those real top-end contenders all have all of those cap questions anyway
0: well, and that's the the big thing. Now, in terms of what's kind of happening around the league, we saw Jesper Bratt get a contract, another 8-year deal. It seems like everybody's getting 8-year deals right now in the National Hockey League. And like teams are locking up young players heading into their second contracts. I mean, Buffalo's like cornered the market on that. Any player coming off an yep. of ELC is getting an 8-year contract. But Jesper Bratt, who had a very good season, I think we're at he a did. stage now where it seems like anybody who's like Anything at all in terms of approximating a first line player is getting max term. I think max term is like being handed out to pretty much anybody right now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, like, look at Pierre Luc Dubois. He's Mm -hmm. had, he, he was a high pick with lots of pedigree. He already forced his way out of one market. He has, at his best, looked like a difference maker, looked like the kind of player that could in a playoff series be the number one center guy but it's not like he's been that consistently and now it looks like he's setting up this offseason not just to force his way to a team that he finds a better fit whether that's on or off the ice or both but do it with the eight year deal and like we're not talking about matthew kachuk a guy at this time last year that most people that follow the nhl would have acknowledged was more of a difference maker than dubois and then of course he goes on this season to to have the season in the playoffs that he did so it it's it is the currency and honestly when you look at a team you look at edmonton and with the exception of obviously mcdavid getting the max term that makes sense and then dry signing his deal a number of years ago now that at the time people thought was an overpay that turned out not to be true the, the players around there with Darnell nurse mm-hmm. getting bridged and getting bridged. And then he gets the big deal. It looks like that Evan Bouchard, who was a revelation for them in the playoffs is looking at a one or a two year bridge, um, because they have those cap problems. I think, I think the teams, a team like New Jersey, that's undeniably in their ascent that goes out and trades for Timo Meyer to bolster their top six. they, they don't want to mess around with those cap problems long term and if they really believe in the guys and a guy like brat has had some pretty good numbers for more than 1 year now they're feeling like it's it's worth the risk although i guess you know <laughs> you could point to toronto as a as an example of where maybe it doesn't always work
1: i'm laying down a take right now that in like 3 years we're going to be looking at all these 8 year deals like we we're, we're, there's going to be a chance here that there's over a hundred contracts a hundred that contracts? are in eight year deals right because wow. like, like we're talking about second liners now So that's what a like thousand players in 10 like of the league uh less well because okay so 23 times 32 like at nhl level we're talking about 740 guys
0: well, yeah 800 guys yeah, maybe. So, so we're talking about like 15 yeah. 13
1: 15 now some that's, of them on our ltir that's
0: so significant
1: but like in three years like people are going to get fired and Different motivations are going to happen for for different teams. Are we going to get a boring offseason where it's like, well, I don't want to trade in these guys because they got five years left. Like, I don't want this player that's making $6 million at five more years. And I just feel like we're going to get landlocked on a bunch of teams because all these eight-year deals. And if you're a player right now, you should be rushing to sign these eight-year deals. Get your money now because, hey, the NHL can change the rules at any point.
2: You sound like you're doing the sales pitch for JT Miller last summer.
1: <laughs> well, I'm doing a sales pitch if I'm like Elias Petterson right now too, right? Like, like we like we always say like, oh, just just bet on yourself, get three years. Sure, you can. But like, hey, what if they change the rules? It's like, hey, these eight year deals are untenable now. Let's let's put terms on these deals. Well, the
0: next CBA battle is not going to be about percentage of the cap. It's going to be about. Uh, term on contracts, you know, are they going to try to bring it down to seven six or six mm-hmm. five or whatever it is? I, I mean, could that's what the see NBA that. Did, I could right? see them going to
2: six. Yeah, yeah. yeah NBA, yeah, these guys are signing four year deals that you know the, the the number is way higher. The numbers at yeah. like fifty million per season, even more now. But they they really they really targeted that. And the NHL, obviously had a, a period there where the contracts were beyond double digits uh, in a lot of cases and in superstar cases and that caused quite a reaction i mean look like major league baseball is floating out there that a salary cap could be coming to a sport where uh, they haven't had a salary cap for a long time and that's been a point of pride for the players and the players union so when it comes to the nhl players we know that they've had some big decisions to make over the course of the last few years when it came to coming back to play in the bubble and hockey related revenue and how they were going to split all of that stuff up this is going to be another threshold and one thing that hockey has done in a way that basketball i think was smart to do with the short-term contracts to to big's point is that you really are limiting the kind of movement that you can see in season basketball the nba realized that with the the player construct and the player movement, the player empowerment, if you will, that there were opportunities to maintain that new cycle by having major players mm-hmm. change teams a lot, and whether that was in trade or free agency. There's always, I mean, look, we're talking about James Harden, a guy who has not been a great player now for a couple of years, although he still has his moments, potentially holding up the NBA offseason because of where he's going to go, right? Like it's or Kyrie Irving, a guy who's had a bunch of issues in the NBA the last couple of years doing the same thing. And hockey has obviously gone the other way where the star players are signing long-term deals because they want that security. And uh, I don't blame them for that, but as a league – If that is going to be the case, if they are going to look at, hey, these contracts are too long, the players are going to want to have something back, and I'd be fascinated Mm -hmm. to know... What's you know two one two or three on their list of things to negotiate with the NHL? Because this is a this is a real consideration for the leagues at this point. You
0: no, know, it is fascinating. It really is. And on the NBA example, I mean, I think it actually helped smaller markets keep guys too, because it's more palatable for a guy to say, hey, I'm getting a max contract for four years. I mean, now we see Milwaukee win a championship, Denver, the Nuggets winning a championship, the Raptors yep. did obviously in mean, different circumstance, but you know, it's kind of made for a more fun league, and 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 uh, I'd say uh, some some real parity in the NBA as well, despite markets having huge size differences. Now, um, usually there's a big difference between Arsenal and Chelsea, but this year it was in Chelsea's. <laughs> it was in Arsenal's favor. But I, I am I am happy, Izzy, though, because we know Chelsea spent so much money, and it seems like you guys are going to fund our summer by
2: buying off our scraps. Oh man, I, yeah, the, you know the Havertz <laughs> thing. I've I've never. I, I wouldn't say that I've been a huge fan. I think he's got some talent. Yeah, but I, I, I I'm not going well. He's he's absolutely. A fit for for the starting lineup based on the way that Arsenal played but at the end of the day, Arsenal lost the title because of a lack of depth and you can always use an extra attacking player but it's going to cost them a lot uh, that's for sure (laughs) and to be honest though, whatever can help the case for Bick to stop walking around, running around telling everybody that United had a better season than Arsenal (laughs) that United's better placed than Arsenal Trophy, wasn't it, right? Yeah, trophy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only right back at the club.
1: September second, buddy. September second, United <laughs> Arsenal next season. Early on, yeah. early fixture. I, I can't wait. Ao uh we might
2: have to do a watch along.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> hey, the people want to know. Uh, Tone's texting it in. Uh, is is he out for a jog or something? Are you uh, crushing uh, uh, North Van Hills right now? What's going on?
2: I'm outside. I'm outside the gym. I, I oh, just, uh, put some time. Yeah. You know, I'm not quite P90 sad or Coquitlam crunch big, but I'm trying to keep up, guys.
0: Hey, cook a little crunch pick. I got a lot of jokes <laughs> for that one. Izzy, uh, great stuff as always, man. Great catching up, man. We'll chat soon. You got it, boys. Anytime. Take care. You got it. That's Israel Affair, uh, one of our favorites. Make sure to follow him on Twitter and read his work on The Athletic. Uh, Coquitlam crunch pick. <laughs> Only thing you're crunching is chips right I, now, I, bro. I, seriously, I really got to get on that quill crunch a bit more often. <laughs> i slacking off. Oh man, uh, that's good stuff. Um, but
1: seriously, okay, like just going back to the point of how many contracts have been signed for for eight that's jaw dropping. Over, like, we're gonna have over hundred like, contracts. I think we're already at uh, of players that played this year. I believe we're already at over seventy. Jeez. So we're, we're talking like we're talking twenty five more in the next two to three years. You spare like like yeah, that's the guy I think though. about, right? He got eight years.
0: Yeah. His well, no
1: his no trade almost kicks in. Or yeah. Uh modified no trade. But in two years, if Carolina's like, oh, we gotta move this guy, our team's gonna be like, oh yeah, we're ready to jump on that. Philip Forsberg. I I really like Philip Forsberg. But if Nashville's doing this thing, it's like we're scaling back and we're changing this up. Our team's gonna look at it and say. Are we on the hook for $45 million? Are we excited to do that? Or should we just let this go by? And is this going to create this? And he's got a no movement clause.
0: That's the other thing. It's a no movement clause. It's
1: term with no movement clause. And they're just getting handed out all of a sudden. Again, like Josh Norris. Oh, I know a nice player. I, I I like a lot of these players. You earn your eight-year contracts.
0: But even but you're right. Like Josh Norris, despite all the talent that he has, as much as teams may like him, they have to look at it and say, "Well, he's got seven more years years left on his Art contract." Just
1: sold the team. Yeah, a new new management group, new coaching staff coming. This look, like, I I didn't give this guy a contract. How do we move this? And I think at some point we're going to get to it and say, "Can't live with all these like second line players having these massive term deals." I think something's going to change at some point
0: well I think the 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 um term limits are going to come in like it already happened now I mean you know there's eight and seven mm-hmm. and I think the next move is probably seven six I'm sure the NHL would probably want it to go to five four be very aggressive about it but I think it actually helps out like I mentioned before like I actually think it makes it more palatable for star players and even smaller markets to be like you know what I'll, I'll sign a four-year max deal here coming off my other contract. You know, like it's, it's not that big of a deal. You can still be free agent again mm-hmm. by 30 and have another chance to get another big contract. So I think it wouldn't necessarily be bad for player. It'd be great for even smaller markets. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the players are going to push back and that creates the battles and the fights and games being missed to the lockout. So hopefully, I, I wish, I don't wish for it, but I do wish for shorter terms because too many no-move clauses as well. Now, like it's, it's too much, too restrictive.
1: A, a few years ago, I understood what players were jumping at eight years, like the pandemic and financial realities yeah. of the league. If you were a free agent in 2020, congrats, right? Like you got yours and all that. But if you're a player right now and you're looking at, it, it's like, hey, how do I maximize my total money? Because we sat you and I like to talk about yeah, total
0: money. It's about total to- to- total money. Uh,
1: if if I was a player right now, I'd be trying to lock in my. Eight years right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what comes down to Pedersen as well. And, you know, there's like, been some suggestions that uh, they're looking for max turn potentially. And it yeah. makes sense. I mean, for especially a guy like him, I mean, and hey, maybe he plays long enough that uh, he can make $100 million on four years down mm-hmm. the road at some point in the NHL. But this is his best chance to get a contract approximately $100 million. Again, I like Jesper Rat right, the player. Is he even the fifth most important player in New Jersey? I'd say no.
1: And and that's without even including like a Nemich that's still coming in. Yeah. And whatever other pro like a like what if Holtz pops off? And I don't know, and he's a little bit older or uh younger. Uh, yeah, younger. Une oh, inexpe- inexperienced, yeah. but still. But like those two guys could just pop off and suddenly you're looking at this and saying, This guy's not even in our eighth best player right now, but we're locked in for seven years. Again, he's a really good player.
0: Yeah, he I mean he was a first line player this he, season.
2: He no earned
1: doubt. his eight year deal. I get it.
0: Because yeah, I would but, say like, Hughes he and year I, H- I like Meyer better yeah. as a player, more impactful. So Hamilton I those, and Hamilton, and, and obviously, um, I mean, yeah, I'd even say long term, you could make you could make the case that right now he is, but Marino played well, and Luke Hughes should be a big part of it. You can make the oh, case number Luke five, Hughes, yeah, he's five, but he, long term like five or six. But you're, to your point, being like right now, maybe he's five. In a couple of years, he's six, seven, eight, and how does that fit? Now, and if you don't win, and you're, you're like, wow, we can't get out of the second round. Like, how often it?
1: How many times have we had, like, a William Nylander conversation? Yeah. What if they're in that situation? Again, you got your your guy locked in, all that sort of stuff, which is nice... I'm just worried about the like the long term health of the league. I just I think teams are gonna get frustrated and say, hey, well, we, we gotta make a move. But we can't because no one wants to
0: take on thirty nine more million dollars. we've seen in the past two years been so many teams and players who want it out and nothing happens. It's like too bad, suck it up, you gotta deal with it. We'll get through the next couple of years. All right, uh, great stuff as always. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, six fifty, six fifty. We'll keep hit some more on the other side right here on Canuck Central.